We've moved through a number of things, and as I've repeated myself, uh, the reason, testing, one, two, three, test, one, two, three, test. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Test, test, test. Uh, the reason, we're getting an echo. Uh, the reason I'm doing this class is uh, because over time, uh, if we're not careful, you come in at a different stage of the church, uh, uh, or maybe uh, things slip away, we forget... Uh, uh, what brought us to this place? Uh, what created the culture of the church uh, uh, that we can plant churches, make disciples, evangelize the world? And uh, there's core convictions. These convictions are at the core, the center. Uh, they stabilize us. They give direction. They harness vision and uh, harness life that we can accomplish something for God, and we've talked a number about that. We worked through a number of things. We've been in the arena. We did the altar uh, preaching uh, demands an altar call. <clears throat> if you teach, that's why people who teach normally they don't have altar calls. Altar calls are uh, uh, history in much of the church world today, and uh, altar calls um, uh, have to do with conviction. And ministry and standards, uh, we talked a bit about that, that uh, ministry is what you are. Ministry is not just talent, it's not just ability to speak, um, uh, to entertain or to move people emotionally. Uh, minister, you minister what you are. That's the bottom line of life. It's like a parent drinking alcohol and telling their child, um, don't do as I do, do as I say. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a contradiction of life. And so you will uh, have this ability. And I understand people get an age and they make their own decisions in life and that's part of parenting. But as a church, uh, uh, we minister what we are. Your spirit, your attitude, your faith, your righteousness, your morals, your vision. And uh, these are beyond words. This gives weight to... Uh, and gives an anointing and a dominion that if you're in a music band, if you're in children's church, if you're on outreach, if, whatever it might be, if you're an usher, uh, it has to do with what you are. It's like over the years, uh, uh, a few times and not normally, and I don't check on this every week, but I don't want people ushering who don't tithe and give. You're going to be taking uh, someone else's uh, sacrifice uh, or they're offering, and you don't tithe and give. That's a contradiction. That's a violation. Um, and, some, and, and so this computes out in life. And so we've, uh, we've had ministry classes and talked about standards and et cetera. And so standards save lives. And, and I've mentioned this. Some parts of the world, they can have an earthquake. Uh, it's hardly anything. And buildings fall down. People die because they have no standards in their building code. Anything of value 
There was a standard. There was a quality to it. Uh, either, either by the one who built it or by the engineer or they have people that uh, uh, in the United States, they have people, they're building inspectors. And they come out and they want to make sure you're doing this by code because it saves lives. And so we kind of move through all of that. <clears throat> and this morning, I want to move these all kind of dovetail together uh, to church discipline. And this is, uh, I've been looked, mentioned this a few weeks ago. I'm going to move into this. So, uh, this has a direct bearing on the work of God. Uh, it has a direct bearing on life. Uh, uh, this has to do with confronting and dealing with uh, unpleasant issues in life. And you have to start always with the Bible. Theology, you have to start with the book. The Word of God. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Everything we do somewhere, we have to find our place in the Word of God. That's why we preach the Word of God. We teach the Word of God. Um, and it has to be consistent over time. Um, and there's an understanding of Scripture. And when it comes to church discipline, uh, uh, we don't have a choice because it's so uh, laced through the Word of God. Uh, it's so clear in Scripture and uh, these principles of discipline aren't always, they vary and there's different flavors and et cetera. But the church is a family. If you're going to raise a healthy family, part of that you have to discipline. You have to discipline your children, et cetera. And you can't read the Bible without realizing uh, uh, there's a, this is a part of the church life. And again, uh, uh, it's, it's a neglected practice in the church world today. And uh, so I want to get a couple of scriptures. You want to turn there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 19. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He says, again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things beloved for your edification. Chapter 13 um, uh, verse number 10, Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. And so I want to just uh, lock your mind in this morning. So what is the aim of any kind of discipline? Whether you're a parent, whether it's in the military, or whether it's in the church. What's the aim of discipline? Anybody? Any theologians, anybody with your, your minds turned on? Uh, George. The purpose of discipline is to bring right relationship. It's what? It, it's to bring right relationship okay. into a right relationship. The Old Testament, here it is, God would send the prophets to warn the people. And the warning was to get people in right relationship with them. And if they didn't heed the warning, sometimes repeatedly, then God would send judgment. And the judgment wasn't just to punish, but it was to bring people back into right relationship. It's so that you can set things in order and have relationship within the house of God, the family of God, with God. Okay, someone else want to add to this. And so, so uh, discipline is not to destroy. Uh, it's with your children. Uh, it's not, you don't discipline, I hope, just when you're mad or angry. They pushed you over the edge. You discipline one 
Uh, Paul says for edification, and it, it brings relationship with God, and it also, it protects your future. Discipline is designed uh, uh, to bring a dominion uh, in the spirit realm, in the, in the human heart, a dominion uh, that's going to do you great justice and steadfast in the future. Discipline isn't just about the, uh, the moment. It's about your future. Uh, and uh, and uh, George mentioned, and, and you know, uh, uh, historically in Israel, and uh, this is what you need to watch for prophetically in America if we continue down the road we're, we're going down, uh, you need to watch, is uh, first God uses nature when he judges nations. He used plagues, uh, earthquakes, uh, uh, tsunamis. I mean, he uses nature. Uh, then he uses uh, famine, pestilence, uh, 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 the economics of a nation. He'll, he'll use those things. Uh, he'll use economics. Uh, and uh, nature, economics, um, and then if they don't listen, he'll uh, cause your enemies to overrun you. But in the church, um, uh, we're looking at something here. Dave, you had your hand up, and then Ike. Uh, we're talking about, we're moving from the altar. We talked about preaching, altar calls, ministry standards, and church. These all dovetail together. Go ahead, Dave. We all want to achieve something, whether it's being a good husband, a, uh, you know, make it to heaven. We're trying to go somewhere. And discipline is when you go off course, discipline is to get you back on course so you can right. achieve those good ends. Right. Absolutely. Ike? Um, discipline, as the pastor was talking about it, is it deals with your future. Discipline is training. If you, it, It's called uh, what they used to tell us in the military is uh, practice doesn't make perfect. It's what? What they used to tell practice us in the military Practice does not make perfect. Okay. Perfect practice makes perfect. Okay. So what happens is, as you were listening to the preaching, as we're listening to the Holy Spirit and studying our word, as we're walking, worshiping, and living, what happens is whatever you do and ingrain, that's what happens when pressure comes. So if you are, if we listen and are disciplined by everything that we encounter, everything the pastor says, everything we study in the word, everything the Holy Spirit happens, when an emergency comes, you automatically fall back to your spiritual training. You don't go winging it and doing whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I did the, I used the uh, uh, stories, uh, the parables about Jesus talked about one man built on sand, another man built on the rock. And uh, it was a picture of lives uh, and you don't recognize the difference until, like Ike says, the crisis comes, the storm comes. Uh, uh, demonic attacks, spiritual attacks, temptations, uh, uh, cry, uh, sorrow, agony. It has many faces in life, economics. But if you build on the right foundation, then you'll stand and you'll survive uh, these various crises uh, uh, of, of life. Uh, so... Uh, uh, this generation of the church, I've pastored for 40 years, uh, has been taken captive by our culture. Uh, there's a, a, a climate in the culture that has invaded the church uh, 
of tolerance um, and relativism. And uh, uh, the Bible word for tolerance is large-heartedness or long-suffering. But in culture today, this word has become an absence of convictions or moral standards of any kind. In, In other words, in this kind of culture, the most horrible sin... Uh, uh, the most horrible infraction, uh, then you, you can't judge me. This is, you know, America's favorite verse, uh, judge not, that you be not judged. And uh, so there's this mindset um, that um, if, if, if I make a judgment call, then I'm evil, I'm unloving, I'm... Uh, wicked, uh, uh, then all of a sudden, then I'm the problem. And so uh, uh, I'm even thinking about some sermons along these lines of the cultures. Uh, uh, But uh, uh, G.K. Chessman said, tolerance is the virtue of people who don't believe anything. And so uh, it's, it's like the whole homosexual agenda. I mean, somewhere, and and see, this is the problem with relativism and tolerance, and it goes on and on and on, is that the absence of truth in any society will begin to crumble. It's a, a demonic assault against the truth of this book, the Word of God. That's what it is. It's a demonic assault against truth. Because in that arena, then truth is whatever you want it to be. It's whatever you expect it to be. Someone get for me Mark eleven fifteen through 17. Yes. Mark eleven fifteen through 17. <clears throat> it says, So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Okay, and so here, what was he doing there? How, how do you, how do you uh, relate that in today's church world? Or today, he went in with a whip, sat there and braided it, began to kick over tables and, and, and lash folks, I guess, and drove them out of his house because he said, you have made my house something that God did not intend it to be. You've made it a den of thieves. My house should be a house of prayer and you've turned it into a place of commercialism. And so he drove them out um, and he made a judgment call. So let's look at our text again. Uh, and so hold your questions. I know you've got them. 2 Corinthians 13, again, verse 2 and 3. Here's Paul. Uh, I've told you before, if you put it on the board, uh, I've told you before, and foretell as if I were, uh, uh, as if I were present the second time. Now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before And to all the rest, 
If I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking to me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. What does he mean here, I will not spare? Ike? It's like my mama used to say, if y'all make me come upstairs, I'm going to settle it. Okay? So what Paul is saying is, you make me come down there, I'm going to settle it. Okay, someone want to add to that? I will not spare. And so what's happened? He's already given warning. When I was with you, now I'm coming to you a third time. When I was with you and, and I dealt with you and you didn't deal with it, you didn't adjust it, so now I'm coming again. And I'm not going to spare this time. In this uh, hypersensitive, everyone's offended generation, uh, how does that how does that compute? Yes, Renee. Um, I think a lot of times when we talk to people, or even when I talk to my children, I tell them things, and then I give them room to make adjustments on their own, um, hoping that they'll do the right the right thing, you know, leading them in the right way, but giving them enough room to make the right adjustments. And if I have to come to them again, I don't spare it. I have this thing I say, I only talk to you once about it. So if I come again, then it's very strict instructions. It's exactly what I want you to do. Yeah, and, and, and how does that help your kids? Renee? What are you trying to, what are you trying to? Well, for me, I'm instructing them. It's discipline. I want them to continue doing exactly what it is, whether it's cleaning, um, whether it's helping cook, or even instruction just in the car, you know, telling them, I want you to look around. I'm, I'm trying to teach them what they'll need to grow. I think that Christ does the same thing for us. Um, Okay. There's disciplines that I've had of my own that I know he's spoken to my heart and I will halfway do it. And then when it happens again, it is not easy or nice. It's, it's very painful. But if I would have done it in the first place, it would have been simplistic. Okay. Um, Tony? Pastor, I was just going to say that discipline, discipline it, uh, it, it's, it's to change character. That's what it's all about. It's, uh, you're seeing someone's character. It's, it, it, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it out. Of them. And so it, it changes their character. And that's what we're after is their character, who they are, who they're going to become. So there's a story, uh, a news story that came out like maybe last week sometime of a mother in California, of all places. She uh, beats, her, beats her kids. And the reason why she beat her kids or spanked her kids is what it was was because they broke in their neighbor's house and stole. It was obvious. It was, they were caught. And as soon as she, she found out, she spanked them. Now, the kids are like 10 and 12 years old or something of that nature. So she spanked them. Well, the state came in, took her kids, yeah. threw her in jail. And so this is, it's all, it's all. It's, how stupid is that? Yeah, because that is what is their character going to be when uh, they grow that, up? Uh, so discipline is to change character. Yeah, the brain of the United States of America has been infected with stupidity. 
I mean, you're going to now, I mean, so you can't discipline. And I under, I'm not talking about abuse, but I'm talking about uh, if, if you don't teach. So, so say, let's fast forward with these kids five years. If they don't learn that you can't break in your neighbor's house and steal, where are they going to be? That's why our prisons can't be built big enough because they're removing the very thing God designed. Your child must have internal imposed discipline because they're not going to be with you all of life. And one of the things you have to impart to them as a child is the ability to govern their own uh, emotions and flesh and appetites. Or when they're loosed, who knows what will happen. we got hands going everywhere. We should. Doing foster care, I make everybody who comes to my house mad because I'm such a firm believer. If you don't teach your children self-discipline, they're going to grow up and they're going to be wearing an orange jumpsuit. And I go to child family team meetings all the time and I tell, and I tell the kids self-control you have control over what comes out of your mouth and what your body does and if you don't learn to control that you're going to be wearing an orange jumpsuit and I'm constantly getting in trouble because discipline is a bad word in CPS's mind you cannot say discipline but when I tell them well it takes discipline for me to get up and go to work every morning that's discipline I have to have discipline to set my alarm clock get up and go to work. So you're telling me we're not allowed to teach that to these children anymore. The people who are running this stuff, oh my gosh, their brains, when you say stupid, oh my gosh, you have no idea. Yeah, yeah it drives me nuts. It uh, takes discipline to clean your house. Yeah. Uh, to cook. To get up before uh, noon. <laughs> takes discipline in life. Amen. And, and it takes discipline uh, uh, all across the board in life. It takes uh, discipline. Discipline will outrun talent. Uh, discipline. And especially when it comes to God. And so when, if you'll impart this to your children, if you'll put this in them, uh, this is incredible. This will spare them a lot of pain and agony and disaster. And God, maybe their life may spare them their life. Uh, discipline. Uh, Galatians six one. Who'll get that for me? Galatians six one. I'll need someone to get that for me. Christian, if you'll get that for me. Uh, Galatians six one. We're talking about church discipline. Uh, something that's absent uh, from the church world today. The culture uh, in this hour has changed the church rather than in the past. The church uh, changed the world and impacted the world. So go ahead and read that. Galatians six one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit, in meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, or although. Okay, so uh, if you're spiritual, uh, you have a responsibility, not brutally, not insanely, uh, you know, he talks in a spirit of gentleness, but you have a obligation, people you know, to warn them and, and to restore them uh, and to keep them uh, and to minister some discipline. 
If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you are spiritual. Restore such a one in a spirit of joy, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Now, what does that mean, lest you also be tempted? This is a powerful spiritual truth. Christian? Like, uh, it's like, um, you know, like, you're not, you, you want to help somebody, but there's sharks around them. So, you're like, you're, you have to consider that you might get eaten by a shark. I won't even respond. Go ahead, Allie. Go ahead, Allie. Uh, Pastor, what it seems to say is that um, when you are restoring somebody who's, who's fallen, consider the fact that you're not exempted from that. Okay. And that it could be you. Okay. Core convictions. We've talked about these core convictions over the years. You've heard me repeat these. The sin you fail to judge is the one that bites you. Mark it down. And again, I understand people grow up and make their own decisions and you can't live their life. I understand that. But the sin you fail to judge, that's what he's saying, is the one that will overtake you. There's something about life when you speak up and you know, that's not right. You don't, that's not right. Don't be doing that. You've heard me tell the story. Many, many. I'm a new convert. My brother knocks on the door, both arms filled with alcohol. Chief in the Navy, coming home. I hadn't seen him in a couple years. And I said, Sonny, I love you, but you're not bringing that in my house. Oh, too good for your brother. But, and I didn't have a clue about this scripture. If I hadn't have done that, most likely I would not be here today. Because alcohol was one of my major problems and my wife's. Bill? Yeah, I think one of the problems we have is that, as, uh, as a mom and dad is so many times we address things to our children and then our children say, well, you do it. And then always have excuses, well, I'm an adult. Well, What's the that? The, the excuse we always give is, well, we're adults. We can do it, but you can't. And my thing is, if you don't want your children to be doing it, then you should not be doing it yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. and if they live in your house, uh, today a lot of older people living at home, if they, uh, when I, my dad wasn't even saved, but when I went and stayed at my dad's house, he got up like, he's like I am now. Uh, he gets up before the sun comes up. I mean, I'm talking about 4, 30, 5 o'clock. Of course, he goes to bed at sunset, which I'm falling into that trap. <laughs> But uh, I, I get up. He'd be making noise beside the bedroom, you know. And, 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 and he, but in his house, you ate when the family ate. You, and, so, uh, and so if you have people staying with you, uh, they're living under your roof, uh, you have a responsibility to administer uh, discipline and standards and et cetera. And so what makes a true church is, uh, and uh, this is out of the history of the church and the Bible, is preaching, number one. And we've talked about that. Preaching the gospel, not telling stories that move people emotionally. The gospel will move you emotionally, and I'm not opposed to some illustrations. We're not talking about that. But the gospel, it's by the foolishness of preaching, Paul said, whereby men are saved. And the administrating of, of, uh, of uh, the bread, uh, the, the, 
the wine, the juice, uh, uh, the sacraments. Uh, uh, church government is critical. And then church discipline. And so if you gave a survey through the neighborhood, what kind of church are you looking for? I wonder if any of these would be on the list. Uh, Albert Moeller, uh, he claims an enormous zone. <clears throat> Individuals now claim an enormous zone <clears throat> of personal privacy and moral autonomy. The congregation redefined as a mere voluntary association, has no right to intrude into this space. Many congregations have forfeited any responsibility to confront even the most public sins of their members. Consumed with pragmatic methods of church growth, congregations engineering, most churches leave moral matters to the d domain of the individual's conscience. I remember right here in Phoenix, there was a big mess a number of years ago, and uh, people were related, people in this church, and uh, uh, the response was, well, aren't you going to deal with this? No, we let the Holy Spirit deal with it. Well, that's not what Paul's doing here. Paul's dealing with it. And... Uh, uh, and this has almost destroyed many churches, a moral decline. Uh, uh, you've heard me say, uh, I mean, if the church is no different from the world, why even be saved? Why even go to church? Uh, and we could go on and on and on. <clears throat> so uh, uh, what Paul is dealing with in this, in this uh, portion of Scripture, uh, what he's dealing with is sexual sin. And in 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 13, but I want to stop right here uh, uh, and open up for any questions, any input. I saw some hands before we move into this, George. Um, I'm in school right now, and one of our, our my lab group for uh, one of my classes, uh, there's me, who's the born-again Christian. I've got, we got one, another guy that's an atheist. We've got another guy that's a backslider and a Mormon. Like, that's our group. And these guys will what get into... What a mix, the, huh? What's that? Yeah. Um, so these guys will get into these conversations about religion. And, um, you know, sometimes a lot of the conversation things come out, I'll, I'll say stuff about it. You know, hey, that's, you know, that's not right or this is not right. But these guys will have these conversations for like five, ten minutes about religion, opposing viewpoints, this, that. And, um, and this last week we were talking about truth, you know, and one of the, the things that I was talking about was, you know, we can all have our opinion. We all have our ideas. And basically, I guess, what would be your um, moral autonomy? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's subject to whatever you think it is. It, 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 and without the Word of God, and I'm telling them this, and I'm giving them Scripture, you know, and say, you know without having the Word of God to base that truth on, it, it, it's just subject to whatever your belief, whatever your emotional state, whatever your, in, you know, the influence around you is. And, but as soon as I started bringing scripture and the word of God, like it turned into a battlefield. And I wasn't even, it wasn't, this was not an aggressive conversation. It was just, hey, this is what the word of God says. This is what the Bible says, you know. And as soon as I mentioned that, it was like, it went from a nice peaceful conversation to like, it just blew up. Because they didn't want to hear that, that truth, that there's a solid base for truth, which is God's word. Yeah. And that's what's under attack. 
that's what's under attack in the whole school system, has been for a number of years, in society, in the media, in the government. It's unending. Is that they do not want the Bible to be the, the standard uh, for morals and truth and righteousness and heaven. They do not want the Bible. And that's, that's the whole thing of uh, we're no longer a Christian nation, the present president said, you know, uh, we're a nation of many religions and yak, 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 yak. Well, read your history. Read who founded this nation. And uh, I know the Native Americans were living here, but I'm talking about those who founded the United States government for the July today, our independence. They fought for that. And so, uh, uh, but, but my point is... Um, is that this is, the, this is the demonic assault to remove the word of God because when you remove that, then anybody's opinion, uh, which, which I'm telling you, when you stand before God, all the opinions of the world of insanity and compromise and immoral and ungodliness and perversion is not going to stand. And you can make your excuses uh, I was talking to a man just this last week. I said, you can, you can slice and dice it any way you want to slice it, uh, but the Bible says you're going to hell for what you're doing. That's what the Bible says. You're going to hell for what you're doing. There'll be no fornicator or adulterer in heaven till you repent, get it right with God. Uh, that, and, that's, and, and this was someone I care a lot about, but I, I said that. That's the bottom line because we have this incredible ability to be right in our own eyes. That's what the Bible says. We have this incredible ability uh, to be right in our own eyes. Robert. You know, like I was telling you this morning, about my brother sent me this text, uh, and I was watching the video. Anybody wanted, I could show it to you. But uh, this guy was a military guy, and, he, you know, and I think the guy, somebody died or something, and you know how they had a ceremony of folding the flag. <laughs> and uh, this guy mentioned something about, and uh, they told him not to mention the word of God in, uh, in, the, in the announcement that he was going to do. And he stood up and he said it, and about five GIs, upper ranks, was pushing this guy, dragging him out of the, out of the building because he used the word God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're in trouble. George. We need to move a God. We need revival, which is what the Prescott Conference is about. We need a great awakening. Yes. That's where God comes down and shakes the core of a nation. George? You know, like we're talking about the power of truth. I have a nephew who's raised in a, you know, his mom's a Christian, loves God, went to a Christian college, ministered in Christian music groups, you know, for, you know I mean, as far as singing groups, you know, where they would have the, the, the chorale come in and sing uplifting songs, you know, in denominational churches. And I knew for a long time that he wasn't right. And I've been dealing with him for the last several months in truth and love with the word of God. And I, he talked to me the other day and he said, I'm standing there and I'm having to look at my life. It's like God's showing me my life in the light of what you've told me, the truth. <clears throat> and he said, I had to admit before myself, even though I had all the trappings and I go to church and I do this and I do that. I'm not a Christian, and I'm not saved. And it gave me a tremendous opportunity. I got to pray with him and help speak into his life because so much of the church world has migrated so far from 
the truth, the boundaries that the Lord of God has laid down for us, that they're lost and don't even know it. You know, so, uh, you know, the, the thing you're talking about, discipline, I guess I disciplined him, but, you know, in love with the word of God. Yeah. And it brought conviction and change. Let me ask you a question. So are you disciplined? Do you have a self-discipline? Because at the end of the day, that's, that's the, in, in the Holy Spirit, God living in you, do you have a self-discipline? This has to do with your mouth. This has to do with where you go. This has to do with uh, your decisions, your behavior, uh, what you let your flesh do, what you look at, what you listen to. Are, are you, do you, uh, do you have Christ in you harnessing and bringing about discipline? So let me read. I need, I need, uh, I want to read this and, and, because uh, this is what Paul's referring to. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians we read that in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, 1 through 13. And so if you put it up, I want to read this this morning. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. Such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles. That a man has his father's wife and you are puffed up. You have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who so done, has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That's a powerful statement. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven nor with the leaven of malice, wickedness with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortionist idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world. You need to go live in a cave somewhere. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater uh, reviler, drunkard, extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are also, those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? Those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. So this is what Paul is dealing with. And again, he's doing this, and later, we'll, we'll get to this, this man repents, and down the road, his life changes, and his heart's right, and et cetera. And, uh, but uh, discipline, I would everybody live for God. I would everybody came through the door, prayed a prayer, live for God. But the devil's real. The demonic's real. Uh, temptation is real. Uh, none are righteous. Anyone here... Uh, 
uh, I remember years ago when Jimmy Swagger, that whole thing came out with Jimmy Swagger. This guy anointed could preach, man. Hundreds of thousands of people gathering. And, and uh, I, I can remember uh, thinking, you know, if it could happen to him, it could happen to me. And I ratcheted up uh, another few notches my discipline on how I would communicate with the, you've never seen me flirt. Uh, I don't text women. I may, if they send me something, would you pray? I'll say, I'm praying. Or something, I got a last uh, lady called this morning. I, but I don't have these conversations. I don't, uh, texting today is, is, is a demonic strategy from hell because people will text stuff that you would never, never, never. And it opens the door to flirting and, and relationships uh, that have the ability to trap you. And so I've ratcheted up. You, you don't see me doing that. And, and, uh, and I know other men. And, and the reason God has kept me all these years, uh, any person here, man or woman, you could fall morally. There's not one of you exempt. Uh, our flesh is weak. Paul said this, my spirit's willing, my flesh is weak. Not every one of us here could fall. This is why I make these, don't be alone. I talk to you, uh, don't be alone with the opposite of sex. You've never seen me in a car with another woman, unless it was my mother, and she's been dead for many, many years, uh, uh, unless my wife is there. You don't see me, uh, you don't see me at a restaurant somewhere eating with uh, another one. I, I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. And uh, uh, even uh, I do most, even in my office, there's windows on the door, there, the blinds are open, and people are in the office, and et cetera. And, uh, uh, you have to set up these perimeters. That's what discipline does. You set up these perimeters um, that defend you against your own weakness of flesh. And, and uh, the, the impart that my aim is to impart to you the revelation that'll save your life. That'll save you a lot of pain and agony and heartache. Uh, that, that, and, and that's the, the whole aim here. So Paul is dealing with this, uh, and um, it was a horrible, you know, it was uh, et cetera. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to close, and we'll pick this up. Uh, I'll pick it up next week uh, and go through this. i got two minutes. Any, any kind of statements, any kind of uh, uh, anything you want to add? And, uh, anybody? Everybody, yes. I just wanted to say, um, like, when I, um, I, when I was younger, I didn't really have a lot of discipline in my life, but I got adopted, um, and my adoptive parents, even though they weren't uh, Christians or they didn't have God implied in their life, the, a lot of the stuff they taught me was actually <coughs> is actually in the Bible, um, and it's and um, it was just like a form of righteousness that they had even in their house, but. I remember little things like my uncle, seeing my uncle and auntie like smoking and stuff. And I would, in me, I didn't ever think I would be a smoker, but just seeing them, I, it opened a door for when they'd be like, no, don't do this, you know, or, or seeing my mom and dad, you know, have a something to drink and stuff. It would open a, a door of wondering like what it is, what it's like to do what they're doing, you know. And um, I remember when I uh, went, when I, when I got put back into the system in Australia and I was alone. And I, I just remember instant things that I seen in the house is what I picked up immediately on in sin, like just smoking and drinking, like immediately, like it was no, 
uh, oh, no, I don't. Even though they told me not to do it, it was not nothing in me that was like, oh, no, I don't want to do it. Because I seen them doing it and them telling me not to do it didn't really build any type of conviction to not do it or, or want to not do it. So it was like, um, it was like, uh, it was certain things that I had uh, conviction not to do that helped me to this day. But there were things that I didn't because they never built, like they never showed me not to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah talk to your children, impart it when they're small. Work with them, and et cetera. And again, when they get a certain age, they have to make their own decision, just like you did. Uh, I, uh, you know, uh, my granddaughters, the twins are a riot. Josh and J-Rell's twin. God help you in the grocery store if you're buying alcohol or cigarettes and they see you. Uh, I'm telling you, they're going to burn. The, your fingers are going to start burning your ears. Them, them, and uh, I mean, they, uh, they got the boldness of their parents. And, and of course, they're, uh, it's just, it's a riot to watch them. I mean, it's just a riot to watch them, man. Uh, pen grown people, make a grown man cry and run for his life. And outweighs them 20 times, you know. And, uh, but that's a glorious thing. We love you and we thank God for you. And so we'll pick it up next week.
check.
God. Let it rain. Can we sing song of the redeemed? Mr. Tatro, if you want to open us in prayer.
Yes, hallelujah. We want to thank you for making your way out tonight or this morning. We welcome you out to church. You can begin to find your seats. We're going to sing out a couple songs.